Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freak's special Patreon presentation of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Very little blood feasting so far. We are on Chapter 14, Henry's Agreement with Sir Francis Varney, the Sudden Arrival at the Hall, Flora's Alarm. On the tray which the servant brought into the room were refreshments of different kinds, including wine, and after waving his hand for the domestic to retire, Sir Francis Varney said, You'll be better, Mr. Bannerworth, for a glass of wine after your walk, and you too, sir. I am ashamed to say I have quite forgotten your name. <laughs> Ooh, burn. Strong start. Can you imagine just, like, rehydrating with wine in the gym? <laughs> yeah. Marchdale. Mr. Marchdale. I, Marchdale. Pray, sir, help yourself. You take nothing yourself, said Henry? I am under a strict regimen, replied Varney. The simplest diet alone does for me, and I have accustomed myself to long abstinence. Oh, Valsell. D, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He will not eat or drink, muttered Henry abstractedly. Will you sell me the hall, said for Sir Francis Varney? <laughs> Straight to the point, my man. Henry looked in his face again, from which he had only momentarily withdrawn his eyes, and he was then more struck than ever with the resemblance between him and the portrait on the panel of what had been Flora's chamber. What made that resemblance, too, one about which there could scarcely be two opinions, was the mark or cicatrix? Cicatrix? Cicatrix. C-I-C-A-T-R-I-X. Cicatrix. Of a wound in the forehead which the painter had slightly indented in the portrait, but which was much more plainly visible on the forehead of Sir Francis Varney. So he's got a brain dent. Oh no, he got a he got a head dent. He fell off the swing set. Now that Henry observed this distinctive mark, which he had not done before, he could feel no doubt, and a sickening sensation came over him at the thought that he was actually now in the presence of one of those terrible creatures, vampires. No. You do not drink, said Varney. Most young men are not so modest with a decanter of unimpeachable wine before them. I pray you help yourself. Ooh, unimpeachable wine. Don't mind if I do, Mr. Varney. I cannot. Henry rose as he spoke, and turning to Marchdale, he said in addition, Will you come away? If you please, said Marchdale, rising. But you have not, my dear sir, said Varney, given me yet any answer about the hall. <laughs> this is the rudest Varney has ever been treated. I cannot yet, answered Henry. I will think. My present impression is to let you have it on whatever terms you may yourself propose, always provided you consent to one of mine. Name it. That you never show yourself in my family. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, these boys ain't never gonna be friends. How very unkind. I understand you have a charming sister, young, beautiful, and accomplished. Shall I confess now that I had hopes of making myself agreeable to her? Ooh. You make yourself agreeable to her. The sight of you would blast her forever and drive her to madness. <laughs> blast her? Oh my god, Henry Christ. Am I so hideous? No, but you are... What am I? I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> hush, Henry, hush, cried Marchdale. Remember, you're in this gentleman's house. True, true. Why does he tempt me to say these dreadful things? I do not want to say them. Oh my god, what? <laughs> He's making me call him a piece of shit who would blast my sister for the rest of her life. Come away, then. Come away at once. Sir Francis Varney, my friend Mr. Bannerwilth, will think over your offer and let you know. I think you may consider that your wish to become the purchaser of the hall will be complied with. 
I wish to have it, said Varney, and I can only say that if I am master of it, I shall be very happy to see any of the family on a visit at any time. A visit, said Henry with a shudder. A visit to the tomb were far more desirable. Farewell, sir. <laughs> this is just a very nice man who wants to make friends, and this guy is just raging around his house. Adieu, said Sir Francis Varney, and he made one of the most elegant bows in the world, while there came over his face a peculiarity of expression that was strange, if not painful, to contemplate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after talking to Henry, yeah. In another minute, Henry and Marchdale were clear of the house, and with feelings of bewilderment and horror, which beggar all description, poor Henry allowed himself to be led by the arm by Marchdale to some distance without uttering a word. When he did speak, he said, Marchdale, it would be charity of someone to kill me. To kill you? Yes, for I am certain otherwise that I must go mad. Nay, nay, rouse yourself. This man, Varney, is a vampire. Hush, hush. <laughs> I tell you, Marchdale, cried Henry in a wild, excited manner. He is a vampire. He is the dreadful being who visited Flora at the still hour of midnight and drained the lifeblood from her veins. He is a vampire. There are such things. I cannot doubt my now. Oh, God, I wish now that your lightnings would blast me, as here I stand, for opening to <laughs> annihilation, for I am going mad to be compelled to feel that such horrors can really have existence. Henry, calm down. Henry, Henry, nay, talk not to me. What can I do? Shall I kill him? Is it not a sacred duty to destroy such a thing? Oh, horror, horror, he must be killed, destroyed, burnt, and the very dust with which he is consumed must be gathered to the winds of heaven. It would be a deed well done, Marchdale. Sir, would you like to have some wine? I am going to fucking kill you and then myself. Hush, hush, these words are dangerous. I care not. What if they were overheard now by unfriendly ears? What might not be the uncomfortable results? I pray you, be more cautious what you say of this strange man. I must destroy him. And wherefore? <laughs> Can you ask? Is he not a vampire? Yes, but reflect, Henry, for a moment upon the length to which- Marchdale. <laughs> Please. But reflect, Henry, for a moment upon the length to which you might carry out so dangerous an argument. It is said that vampires are made by vampires sucking the blood of those who, but for that circumstance, would have died and gone to decay in the tomb, along with ordinary mortals. But that being so attacked during life by a vampire, they themselves, after death, become such. Well, well, what is that to me? <laughs> the fuck should I care? Have you forgotten, Flora? A cry of despair came from poor Henry's lips, and in a moment he seemed completely, mentally and physically, prostrated. God of heaven, he moaned. I had forgotten her. I thought you had. <laughs> oh, if the sacrifice of my own life would suffice to put an end to all this accumulating horror, how gladly I would lay it down. Ah, in any way, in any way, no mode of death should appall me. No amount of pain make me shrink. I could smile then upon the destroyer and say, welcome, welcome, most welcome. <laughs> Rather, Henry, seek to live through those whom you love than to die for them. Your death would leave them desolate. In life you may ward off many a blow of fate from them. I may endeavor to do so. Consider that Flora may be wholly dependent upon such kindness as you may be able to bestow upon her. Charles clings to her. Humph. Oh, fuck off, Marchdale. Oh, you and Holland Day's territory now, Marchdale. You do not doubt him. My dear friend Henry Bannerworth, although I am not an old man, yet I am so much older than you that I have seen a great deal of the world and am perhaps far better able to come to accurate judgments with regard to individuals. No doubt, no doubt, but yet... Nay, hear me out. 
Such judgments, founded upon experience, when uttered, have all the character of prophecy about them. I, therefore, now prophesy to you that Charles Holland will yet be so stung with horror at the circumstance of a vampire visiting Flora that he will never make her his wife. Yeah, you wish. You wish. All right. All right. Yeah, okay. Marchdale, I differ from you most completely, said Henry. I know that Charles Holland is the very soul of honor. I cannot argue the matter with you. It has not become a thing of fact. I have only sincerely to hope that I am wrong. You are, you may depend, entirely wrong. I cannot be deceived in Charles. From you such words produce no effect but one of regret that you should so much err in your estimate of any one. From any one but yourself they would have produced in me a feeling of anger I might have found it difficult to smother. <laughs> It has often been my misfortune through life, said Mr. Marshdale sadly, to give the greatest offense where I feel the truest friendship, because it is in such quarters that I am always tempted to speak truth freely. Oh, Mr. Marshdale is one of those guys who's just like, I'm just being honest. Like, everyone, like, I'm just being, I am brutally honest. The worst OkCupid profile. <laughs> the worst. Nay, no offense, said Henry. I am distracted and scarcely know what I say. Marchdale, I know you are my sincere friend, but as I tell you, I am nearly mad. My dear Henry, be calmer. Consider upon what is said to be concerning this interview at home. Aye, that is a consideration. I should not think it advisable to mention that disagreeable fact, that in your neighbor you think you have found out the nocturnal disturber of your family. Nocturnal disturber of your family is way scarier than vampire. No, no. I would say nothing of it. It is not at all probable that, after what you have said to him, this Sir Francis Varney, or whatever his real name may be, will obtrude himself upon you. If he should die, he will, perhaps, consider that such a step would be dangerous to him. <laughs> it would be fatal, so help me. However, and then I would take a special care that no power of resuscitation should ever enable that man again to walk the earth. They say that the only way of destroying a vampire is to fix him to the earth with a stake so that he cannot move, and then, of course, decomposition will take its course, as in the ordinary cases. <laughs> All right, this is my favorite version of staking a vampire, that it actually doesn't do anything special, except that it allows them to stay still enough to rot. Fire would consume him and be a quicker process, said Henry. But these are fearful reflections, and, for the present, we will not pursue them. Now to play the hypocrite and endeavor to look composed and serene to my mother and to Flora while my heart is breaking. The two friends had by this time reached the hall, and leaving his friend Marchdale, Henry Bannerworth, with feelings of the most unenviable description slowly made his way to the apartment occupied by his mother and sister. Every chapter has suddenly become such a roller coaster. To recap, he entered Varney's home, immediately started shrieking a string of insults, paused long enough to say like, yeah, of course I'll sell you my house. As long as you don't look at my fucking sister because looking at you would kill her. <laughs> then he left. Also, what does it matter if Flora would turn into a vampire when she would die naturally? You could just stake her then. Well, this is the 1840s, so natural death is not so distant a prospect for a young woman of 16. Yeah, sure. But, like, it's not like, oh, she got bit by a vampire, so now we have to kill her now. It's just, like, you just have to keep an eye on her corpse when she dies. Like, she can just die the normal way. That's true. Whatever that will be. <laughs> well, it won't be a mill accident because that burned down. Well, thank God for that, at least. I do wonder at the early vampire myth coming from Scandinavia, as we learned in an earlier episode, 
is that the reason for Viking funerals involving so much corpse on fire? Oh. Just to make sure they don't vampire on you? That would also explain the idea that the sunlight is what heals them, because that must be very hard to come by in Scandinavia. Yeah. I'm still Hollandaise for life. I do not like where Mr. Marchdale's going with this. I think they're really overselling this whole flora angle. I don't think... I'm standing by like, so what if she would turn into a vampire later? Like, that's fine and you can plan for that. Uh, I am interested that it seems Varney has his eye on Flora. Don't like the the number of dangers that seem to be facing my boy Holland. I'm also wondering about Varney having his eye on Flora because if all the foreshadowing is going where I think it's going, she is his descendant. Yeah. Like, they are very related. <laughs> I, I guess that's not as weird in England at the time this was written. <laughs> But, like... It's still weird. It's still pretty weird. Unless he's actually, like, doing some, like, messed up, like, Twitter thing where he's like, well, I'm 400 years old, so, like, she's basically a stranger. And it's like, mm. <laughs> What does that have to do with Twitter? I just assume that if something horrible happens, it's gonna be on Twitter. Oh, okay, yeah. If someone says something, like, really fucked up where I'm like, are you even human? It's like, it tends to be Twitter. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would log on to Twitter and see, like, Varney69420, and he's like... If I lived to be 400, I would totally marry my great-great-great-great-great-great ex-granddaughter. Oh, no. Thank you all for supporting the podcast. And join us next week for Chapter 15, The Old Admiral and His Servant, The Communication from the Landlord of the Nelson's Arms. Ooh, new characters. Ooh. Au revoir. Goodbye.